0: If you have a great deal and it won't go traditional and that deal still works with hard money lending, yeah, you're going to pay a little bit more, but it's better than not doing the deal at all. There was so much meat on the bone on my deal that paying a little bit of extra made sense all day long.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Does hard money still work even with high interest rates? If you're considering this strategy, Today's episode is a must listen.
2: And today we're interviewing Ann Curry. She's a successful real estate investor with over 300 doors between single family homes, small multis, and apartment complexes. We're going to break down how you're still able to make the deals work with hard money lenders and what pitfalls you should watch for.
3: Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure.
4: The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home-owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets.
2: So Anne, in 2023, you have closed over 164 units using hard money lenders despite high interest rate so break it down for us what type of properties you bought and how you were able to do that yeah
0: so we started using hard money I mean back after the big crash of 2008 when you really couldn't get traditional lending for buying and holding real estate so I really got heavy into using our hard money partners um, just because that was the tool that I had in my toolbox so fast forward to a year a year and a half ago when we bought 144 units. In one transaction, that was actually 44 properties that made up 144 units. So it was a mix of duplexes, triplexes, a sixplex, a seven, a 12, a 12, a 14 and a 20. And, um, it wouldn't, these were dilapidated properties that had massive deferred maintenance. There was no way that they would go traditional financing. So the tool that I had to bring out in my toolbox was my hard money partner. Talk to us a little bit
1: about what that hard money, you know, What did they? I want to say their kind of composition. What did they? Was this a company? Was it just one person? Because obviously, you could be a hard money lender individually as a company. Um, And then let's talk about the specifics on terms. I'd love to know what interest rate you paid and just how you set. You know, we'll really dive into the specifics of it. But what what did the composition of that hard money money lender look like?
0: Yeah, the, this particular hard money lender was actually a group. It's a family owned group and it consists of kids and the dad, and they lend private money and they have it set up really as, you know, kind of. Following the hard money lender categories or, you know, criteria, but it's their money. I've also, you know, consistently used hard money groups that are, you know, formal and that's all they do. And they're very, you know, they have a very cut and dried system. And if it doesn't fit in the box and it doesn't work, what I love about hard money is that it's a much more flexible than traditional financing. So when you have a dilapidated old property and it can't go traditionally, then you can turn to your hard money lenders because they don't have the same criteria as a traditional lender. So, um, and it's much more user friendly. So, um, for someone who has some experience, you're probably going to get some better rates than somebody who's just brand new and just starting out. I've had a, you know, 25 year history of flipping houses and buying rentals. So, with my you know history, I was able to get pretty good rates. The rates are going to be higher than traditional financing. So that would be the downside. But the upside is the ease of which, you know, a property has to qualify. You have to qualify. They're going to qualify more on the property. Yes, they want to see the borrower have some experience because they, you know, they're taking a chance on you, but they much more want to see what's the property? What's it worth? What's the ARV when it's done? What's your exit strategy? So that's really important. What are you going to do? Are you going to sell it when you're done fixing? It up. What's your rehab budget? So they look at all of that. So it's really ARV minus purchase price minus um, your rehab costs that you you know pr- project or you're going to spend on rehab, and then they, usually they'll give you a combination of purchase plus rehab, and that's the other benefit of hard money a traditional lender is just going to lend on the purchase of the property, but they're not necessarily going to give you some rehab funds. So in this case, I was able to borrow the purchase price and borrow some of the rehab costs. So there's, you know, there's massive benefit. Now I will say that I bought this portfolio at such a low price per door. So usually, um, you would spend about two hundred dollars per two hundred thousand dollars per unit here in my area, and I was able to pick these up for ninety five thousand dollars per unit. So less than fifty percent of the value, and the hard money lender loved that going into it. Just seeing those numbers,
2: we're loving that too. And here's I, I gl- I'm glad you pointed out and making sure that everybody that are. Listening to this episode, understand the following: If you're just getting started, your rates will be higher because you have no experience, and the hard money lender needs to mitigate his or her risk by jacking up that 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 rate, so your deal might not pen penned out right but and what I'm seeing are experienced real estate investors not even considering hard money lenders. Because they're like, well, hard money lenders equal high rate interest rates, high points. I'm not going to even
0: run the numbers. Would What would you say to those people? It's a tool in your toolbox. So when if you have a great deal and hard money is the only tool that will get that deal done, yes, you're going to pay a little bit more. But in, in the case of my 144 units, Why would I pass up $95,000 per door when the end value is going to be, I mean, as is, it was 200. So hard money paying the extra points, paying, you know, because you're going to pay points which is one you know if it's one percent one point is 1% of the purchase price hard money is usually 1 to 4 points so you're going to pay a fee pretty hefty fee and you're going to pay higher interest but that was the only way to get the deal done so to our listeners if you have a great deal and it won't go traditional and that deal still works with hard money lending yeah you're going to pay a little bit more but it's better than not doing the deal at all there was so much meat on the bone on my deal that paying a little bit of extra was it made sense all day long. I'm curious too, Anne,
1: because there's a clear value add, right? You're buying it at 95k; it's worth 200k the day you buy it. Like that's that's a really big spread, right? So let's let's talk about how you found that opportunity because you know, and, and I'm just curious what has been your process and even sourcing. A, a project like that. And again there's a, there's a scale there but how did you find it?
0: It was a cool project and yeah these don't come down our path every day. I've been fortunate to buy two large deals like this where we closed on 50 single family homes in one transaction and then uh, of course that led into doing this again with 144 units. It was a 80-year-old seller. He'd owned these for 30, 40 years with his family, and he just got to the age where he could no longer really take care of them. So they had a ton of deferred maintenance, and it came through a relationship with my commercial broker. They knew my history with being able to buy bulk deals, and you know, the fact that I own rental real estate that I flipped. So it kind of fit all in my buy box. And there's not a lot of people around that can take down that many units in one. And so he, when he found out about it, he brought it to me and just said, this is not on the market, but I think it would fit, you know, fit you perfectly. And I, of course, I just said, yeah, when I saw the numbers.
1: I love that. You know, for 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 me, I I really was able to grow along with my husband, our portfolio through commercial brokers. But that was at a time where there was more off market, you know, opportunities, both on market, off market with, the, with the broker. I, I would say women are still, you know, struggling that deals are just not penciling out. And we were on a call with one of our, our preferred partners and he said, well, that's because they're on the, on, they're looking on the market. They need to look off the market. And I, I want to share a quick resource for everyone listening. Um, you know, Dealflow is, is a company that basically uses AI, artificial intelligence to identify off market. Uh, motivated sellers, and and I just want to make sure that the women listening have multiple tools. To your point, and in their toolbox, right, to to find those off market deals. So I encourage everyone to check out Deal Flow. They they do a lot of uh, work around engaging targeted. Uh, they do targeted online advertising campaigns, really to design to help you find that great off-market deals. So we'll put some information in in the show notes, but you can go to dealflowrei.com. Really neat what they're doing to help uh, investors just get more tools in the toolbox and finding deals.
2: So Anne, uh, one thing that you mentioned, right, that your relationship with a hard money lender also influenced uh, making all the deal work. For the listeners, what are the fees or terms that we are able to negotiate and make the deal work because sometimes we believe that this is it and it might, we might be missing an opportunity. So if you could share with us, what are some, some negotiation tactics, uh, that you negotiated in the past with your hard money lender?
0: Just remember, this is private money. So they don't have as many, you know, governmental rules and regulations. They don't have to fit in a perfect box. They can look at a deal and they can, you know, make the deal make sense for you. So there is flexibility in the points. So you're going to pay points. We talked a little bit about that. One point is 1% of the loan amount. So if it's a hundred thousand dollar loan, it's going to be a thousand dollars. And usually hard money lenders are going to be maybe one. And I've seen up to four and I've seen up to six points. And some of that's going to be the risk of your deal. It's going to be the risk of you. Do you have any experience? And then, of course, the interest rate and the term, the length of the term. So interest rate, we all know what that is. And that also usually can be negotiable. Again, based on your deal, is your deal risky? Is your deal not risky? Are you risky? Have you ever had experience? And then the length of the term. So usually hard money's hard money is going to be anywhere from I've seen it as short as six months and I've seen it as long as about 18 months. Usually they, you know, they want to turn their money a lot faster because they make money on the points. So they like to see those shorter terms. They want to be in and out. This is not meant to be your long-term 30-year loan. They want to be in and out, in and out. Now, one little tip for your listeners that might be just starting out. You could get a sponsor. So you could pick someone that has some experience and just say, hey, I am working with Anne Curry, and Ann Curry has experience. She's going to walk me through how to do this first flip. Therefore, can I negotiate my points and fees? Because I have a mentor of sorts or someone that has experience and they're they're going to partner with me. And I lose I use partnership as loosely. They're just going to be there to answer questions and help me along the process, and usually that can boister their confidence in you if you're just starting out.
2: Listeners, and <laughs> don't mention M Curry. We
0: all have an agreement with Anne Curry, Not right? Okay? And you're so going to that. That was an that was an example. You know, mo- <laughs> most of us are you're in some like- kind of real. I am yeah,
2: working yeah.
0: An <laughs> I think but a lot of, a lot of beginners have a relationship with somebody that is in the business. And if you don't, then you might want to join, you know, a real estate group or someone that, you know, you could say, Hey, I'm going to do my first flip. Can I, you know, use you as a soundboard and to help me kind of walk me through this first one.
1: I, I want to just mention, because what a lot of women are listening to and hearing right now, because we hear this all the time is why would they want to mentor me? Why would they want to work with me? What do I have to bring to the table, right? And so I just want to say that something very quickly is that you can negotiate anything you want to with somebody that's experienced because the challenge that an experienced operator has is deal flow. So if you are bringing that great deal to the table, you're actually solving one of their problems, especially if you can figure out a win-win financially or figure that out together. So you are actually contributing to them not just asking for like a favor, right? Or this random. So I just want to say that because I don't think enough women in our community get that. So I just wanted to mention that quickly.
0: Yeah. Hard money lenders can also be another great mentor of sorts because they're used to looking at deals. So you could bring them a deal and say, Hey, you know, I'm newer and I haven't done a lot of flips, but I know you've lent on a lot of flips and you see everything. If I present a deal to you, will you tell me whether this is going to work or not from your perspective? So they can be another great sounding board. And most of them will have a formula and a lot of them have a website where you can put in the numbers of your deal and it's going to give you a red light, green light or a yellow light and tell you whether this deal is going to fit their parameters or not. So hard money lenders are becoming much more savvy technology wise and they have these tools on their on their website that you can just type it in. and you can get really quick answers from them too. I mean a lot of them will get on the phone with you and talk through your deal. So think of them as another person that you can you know put your deal by and, and get some feedback.
2: So, so, in one of the the tactics they use is the burn method, and uh you need to be able to refine right to pay the hard money lender so when you are on the writing, when you're running your numbers, what are the pitfalls that you would recommend investors that are listening to watch out for any buffer or any tip that you recommend?
0: yes, absolutely so. When you're going to burr a property, you're going to buy it and then you're going to re- uh, rehab it. Then you're going to refinance. And that refinance is key when you're using hard money because again, their terms are rather short. So you have, you know, maybe up to a year, maybe a year and a half. If you're, if you've negotiated that long of a term to get your, your um, rehab done, then to get the renter in place. These are the, the R's and the burr. So buy, rehab, rent refinance. So you got to be able to get all that done. So, so many keys. So you want to make sure that your budget is pretty tight, meaning you haven't looked over the fact that it needs a new roof. You haven't looked over the fact that the plumbing is a hundred years old and probably won't see itself through a major remodel. So you got to make sure that your budget, you know, you've really, you've done your inspection, you've met with a contractor, you've really got that budget down, but even then add a 10% con- um, contingency fund because in a remodel, almost Every single time something's going to cost more. I don't know if you're lucky. If you're lucky, you come in right under budget, but have that consistent. Yeah. That contingency fund just in case, because getting your numbers right is going to be the key to being able to refinance out of that property and not leave more money in it than you wanted to and be able to pay off that hard money lender. I mean, the goal is to pay off that hard money lender as fast as you can.
2: I love that. I just want to do a disclaimer. I, all my projects, never, it went all as (laughs) planned.
0: Oh yeah, right. (laughs) I was going to say, I just was having this conversation with my daughter and I said, you know, I'm, I, I love remodeling. It's my, it's my, you know, that was the basis of how I got started. But I also really love new construction because it's much more, you know, the steps are very cut and dry, the, the budget's really cut and dry. But most of us get started by rehabbing. And, you know, I'm I'm one of those as well.
2: So I, w- I want to ask you a question about what happens when the plan doesn't work and you need to renegotiate with the Harmony Lender. But before we do that, let's hear a word from our sponsors.
4: can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today.
2: So Anne, if everything goes right, right? You return the money to the hard money lender, you're able to refinance, and you keep going life happens situations happen and a lot of people that are my belief are in a position that they didn't want to be so when you are facing wow my 18 month with my hard money, money lender it's coming up and i know i'm not going to be able to do that how would you recommend approaching the hard money lender and negotiating again
0: yeah, I would get them as soon as you know, you're not going to make your either your budget or your time frame. So you might know that even six months before the pro, the note comes due and payable, get them on the phone. They would much rather have you tell them, hey, I you know, my note is coming due in four months. I just don't see that I'm going to come in on budget and I don't see that I'm going to come in on time, one or the other or both. And just say, I either need more time or I need more money. So they'd much rather have you communicate and hear maybe what you consider bad news. They'd rather work with you in most cases. And this is my experience. I've had to go back to my hard money lenders and say, I need six more months because our permits took longer or you know the contractor wasn't able to finish or whatever. And I've had circumstances where I've had to go back for more money because in remodels, like you said, Andresa, sometimes you don't come in on budget and it wasn't really necessarily the planning. It was just that things cost more. So have that communication early. Don't wait till the last minute They don't like surprises just like we don't like surprises. They'd rather have you, you know, them know and then devise a plan. Just say, what can we do? And then, as long as you're, you know, um, consistent with your payments, that's the other thing. They want to see that you've made your payments on time. They're going to work with you in in most cases, in my experience.
1: And I'm curious have you ever gotten into the situation or have heard others get into the situation? Because I can imagine this happens is that even at the time goes on, right? What have you, the budget, even when you get, to the point where you're about to refinance and you know that with the refinance, you're not going to be able to pull out all the money that you owe that hard money lender. We've all been there, different projects, different reasons. I can give you all my, my, my A couple situations we got into. Have you gotten to the, to the negotiation? And I don't think enough women think about this where you can negotiate with the hard money lender. Say, listen, I owe you 200,000. I'm not gonna be able to pay you back 200,000 based on X, Y, and Z. Um, Is there a way to convert that hard money? Say out of that 200, you take a 100 and say, is there a way or 50 and convert that to long-term financing? Have you ever gone to that situation where you're taking some of the amount of money that you owe them, that's that short-term money, but you're converting it to long-term and paying a different, I don't know, just thinking creatively, I've done that. Have you done that? And And I just wanted to know what best practices you can recommend to them. Because again, that's another negotiation tactic. Have you seen hard money lenders do that?
0: I have not had to do that, but I have had to bring money in. So instead of a cash out refi, it's a cash in refi. Now, we don't like to have to do that because if you're upside down for whatever reason and you can't pay off your hard money, usually it's a cash in situation or it's a you're bringing money to the table or you're refinancing, you're going through some kind of different finance. I've never had to ask a hard money lender to convert to a longer term. Now I do have private money lenders and that's that family. And we have, you know, I've asked them if they would carry longer than the 18 months and they were happy to do it again. We were consistent on our payments and they had no reason not to. It's really is having that conversation and, and thinking of them like your partner Not like they're this big, scary, you know, hard money lender, but hey, we're, we're doing this together. So I need to bring you in on the conversation and work something out.
2: You know, I'm glad we were talking about this because a lot of women inside our community, they're facing different situations, very similar, right? Not able to, to, to refi, feel really ashamed about the situation and they look as successful investors, Right. And you own more than 300. So when people look at you, they're like, oh my gosh, she!" I'm sure she never went through this situation. I think it's important for us to talk about a project doesn't define a single project, a single, like you bring cash in to the closing does not define your success. And I don't think a lot of people are are talking about it for you. I want to understand how you felt when you had to bring cash in and how you dealt with that feeling.
0: Yeah, it's not pleasant to have things not go, I just call it not go your way, right? Because we do tend to blame ourselves for, you know, maybe a mistake that we made or man, I shouldn't have bought that. And my own philosophy is don't look in the rearview mirror because the rearview mirror is great for post-mortem, mortem, but post-mortem is only good as much as it teaches you some lessons. It's not good to stay there because if we get stuck there, then we have a hard time progressing. And if, if you asked any successful, you know, longer term investor, they're going to tell you that they skinned their knees. Absolutely. We've all made mistakes and we've all felt the feelings that come with that, which is like, regret, some guilt, some sadness, it hurts our own kind of self confidence, because we're like, oh, that was so because it could be so painful, because we take it so seriously, you know, but we've all done it. And we just have to say, I have to just figure out how I'm going to solve it and I'm going to move on and I'm not going to let that one bad deal define the rest of my history because how long am I going to keep going? I'm a, I've got another 20 years to do this. So I have more successful properties to come and I'll just take the lessons but not focus on postmortem the whole time.
1: I love that. I mean just metaphorically if we drove by looking in the rear mirror we get into an accident, although no one wants to drive with me because I'm not the best driver. But regardless, it it is. It's so true that we need to look forward. So I love that. I'm really curious too, and let's go back to interest rates for a second, because that is a, a concern for people, although we're hearing different things that interest rates are stabilizing. They may even go down. I, I've heard other people say, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> who knows, really? I have no crystal ball. But I'm curious, how do you mitigate the risk of, okay... In 18 months, because we don't have that crystal ball, is it a certain amount of uh, percentages that you a per- percent that you put in there? Uh, meaning, okay, its interest rates are here, eight percent right now. I, I, I got to account for
0: ten in 18 months. Like, what's your formula that that women can also use? Yeah, especially when it comes to apartments, because apartments are valued with the income that they receive, right? And the interest rates going to drive the cap rate. So what someone is willing to pay. So let me give you an example. This is what I'm actually walking through right now. And part of that 144 units, we have a 12 unit, a 12 unit and a 14 unit that we're completely gutting and we're remodeling. Now, when I bought it, long-term interest rates were at four and a half. Now, as I'm in the Burr process, so I'm in the remodel stage. We haven't even gotten to the re-rent stage. I'm looking at interest rates maybe in the you know high sixes to the mid sevens to refinance out of. It's a big difference. So an appraiser is gonna look at that and and value that building on the income and they're gonna look at the cap rate and they're gonna say, yikes, you know, now you might have to bring cash in. So, you know, again, I look at what are my options and I try not to stay, you know, when I bought this portfolio, I wanted to hold all of it. But now I'm looking at, well, I might have to sell off, you know, one of those 12s or another one of those 12s, because on the other one, I might have to bring a little cash in. So I think being flexible on your exit strategy. Now, One tip I would tell our newer investors is always have more than one exit strategy. The way I bought these properties, I knew even if I was doing hard money, I could sell them, I could rehab them and uh, refinance them. So I had definitely 2 exit strategies available to me and I might have to exit out by selling some, or I bring cash in. So that's a kind of a uh, financial decision that my husband and I are looking at actually right now. So this is something I'm going through actually right now.
2: Who knows, right? What's going on behind, behind the doors when we're making deals, de- deals work, because as you, I love what you're saying about our toolbox, right? when underwriting let's underwrite three ways let's underwrite I, Liz and I always like to underwrite like what is the worst the best and like the good scenario and then we see it we play it out how how it goes and things still might happen i think that building relationships with people is so important because they know that you're no matter what no matter what you're going to do the right thing um And especially with hard money lenders, it's an ongoing basis, right? I don't think hard money lenders expect everything to go perfect at all times, but I do think that they expect to have a level of communication where trust is built no matter what.
0: Mm -hmm. You nailed it, Andresa. They don't expect everything to go perfectly, but they do want you to communicate. So that would be, that would definitely be the key.
1: I love that. Thank you so much, Ann. This has been great. Where can everyone listening learn more about you?
0: Yeah, we're on social media and Curry Holmes, um, Facebook and Instagram. And then our website is anancurryhomes.com. And we have a lot of great materials there and a biography and that kind of thing. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing out there. I think, you know, when I got started, there was no podcast like what you guys have. So I'm cheering you on over here and just so grateful for you.
2: Awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again, and Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our Investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes.
1: If you like our show, please share with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.